Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. Today we have Dave Stückelschweiger speaking about God's presence in us and God's power through us. In today's passage, which can be found in John 16 verse 7, we read that as Jesus was preparing to leave this earth, he promised that his advocate would be sent to us. Listen to Dave's sermon right now to find out more about what it means to us up to this day. Okay, well, um, uh, I don't know about you, but um, just in the back, somebody brought a magazine, probably it's Michael's, I don't know, Um, but it was a magazine from Die Zeit, it's like an Austrian magazine, and on the cover it says, um, how to be happier and more successful. Um, And I know why magazines put that on the cover, it's just to get you to buy the magazine, and and apparently, and, and not just apparently, we all know it's true in Austria, and probably all around the world, what gets people kind of like the clickbait also online is um, to be happier and to be more successful. That is what all, um, what, what society tells us that we should go for. And um, sadly, even what a lot of Christians focus on. But today I want to focus on something very different. Um, something that we hopefully, um, I expect, also want more of in our lives. And that is the Holy Spirit. Um, and the Holy Spirit is, in, in other words, it, it, it would, I would say it's God's presence in us and God's power through us. Um, and so uh, one of the reasons why I became interested in this topic a long time ago is many, many years ago, I talked to Jehovah's Witness, um, and we discussed for hours and hours and hours about basically everything, and I just realized we don't agree on a lot of things, like there's very little that we actually agree on. Um, and one of the things that we discussed about was the Holy Spirit, and, and through that discussion, I realized um, that I don't really know so much about the Holy Spirit. Maybe for you, it's the same thing. So what I did is I read through the New Testament, and I took a highlighter, and And I have one Bible where every passage where the Holy Spirit um, does something or says something is highlighted. Um, So, but then also, like a few years ago, um, I was invited at a different church and they asked me about uh, something that that was actually a youth service. And and the youth said, so we want something about um, God's presence in us. And we want something about God's power through us. And I said, well, that, that is the Holy Spirit. It's actually interesting that their youth, they grow up in a Christian church, and they talk about God's presence in us, and God's power in us, and God's power through us. And they were not even aware that what they actually mean is the Holy Spirit. And so, preaching about the Holy Spirit is oftentimes tricky in our churches. Um, and I guess you know, because... Uh, a lot of, or, or certain Christian groups land on quite extreme positions regarding this topic, and this is why it always makes us a little, um, a little scary or a little scared when we talk about this um, topic. We see, or we have seen, some groups that just go overboard. Their focus lies so much on the Holy Spirit and so much on the supernatural um, that they kind of lose everything else, and they, they, they put the Holy Spirit out of proportion. And there are even some groups that think that if that they have the power or ability to dictate the Holy Spirit what to do. They think if they just say something often enough, then the Holy Spirit has to do it. Or if they um, behave a certain way, then the Holy Spirit has to do whatever they want. And so there are other groups <clears throat> that kind of see this and recognize this. 
and then they criticize it rightly, and, 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 but they go to the other extreme. They go to an extreme where they hardly mention the Holy Spirit, where they will agree that the Holy Spirit is there, but um, in reality, in their practical life or in their church life, um, the Holy Spirit does not happen or does not, is not active a lot. And there's even so far as, as I, I know one church, um, I, like friends of mine, they were going to this church, they were trying to reach this church, they ended up at the neighboring church, Pentecostal church, and then, so they walked into the Pentecostal church and were like, hey, do you know where this church is? And they were like, oh, you mean the church where they don't believe in the Holy Spirit? Um, and so, obviously, they do believe in the Trinity, but the Holy Spirit is of so little importance um, that other people think um, that's not even there in this congregation. So I don't know where you land. Maybe you fall in this first category um, where it's all about the Holy Spirit and, and, and the supernatural, or maybe you fall in the second category where it's very little or almost none of the Holy Spirit um, and the supernatural. I don't know. And, and I won't make you raise hands, so you're safe um, today. But for a lot of evangelicals, um, that, that's a comparison I heard once. For a lot of us evangelicals, our view of the Holy Spirit is the same as our view of the thyroid. Everyone is happy we have one, but nobody really knows what it does. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we have to start with the Trinity, right? Um, God, the God of the Bible, our God, Yahweh, He's one God. And that is something that we see throughout the Old Testament um, and the New Testament. It says again and again, God is one. We are and we will always be monotheists. We believe only in one God. It says in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, it says... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And when we read the Old Testament, what is absolutely clear is um, that it is one God. Um, We do see some hints of plurality even in the Old Testament. And it's easy for us now as Christians, now that we look back through uh, the history and we read the old texts and we will see um, where you actually see hints of the Trinity or you see other um, persons of the Trinity where you see um, Jesus or the Holy Spirit acting in the Old Testament. Um, But at the time when you only read and when you only have the Old Testament, um, the one thing that you always get is there is one God. And that is also what distinguishes the, the Israelites and, 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 and the Jewish um, religion from all the religions around them at the time was that they only believed in one God and they were never allowed to include any other gods into their worship. And so when we look at the Trinity um, and when we look who God is and, and how he's described in the Old Testament as just one God, um, it gets a little harder when we read the New Testament. Because right in the beginning, Jesus is described as, um, as God. When we read the beginning of uh, the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word is Jesus. It's later explained that the Word is Jesus because the Word became 
human. And so that is definitely Jesus. So Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Now, Jesus himself also refers to God. He says in John chapter 10, verse 30, he says, I and the Father are one. Um, now, for us, maybe that is not such a big thing, but we, um, we see uh, that for the Jews at the time, that was actually blasphemy. Um, we read, that is John chapter 10, verse 30. Um, we read a few verses later that the Jews at that point decided to kill Jesus for one reason. Um, because he said um, that he and the Father is one. And by saying that, it means um, that he makes himself God. We read John chapter 10, verse 33, and they said, we, um, You being a man, make yourself God. Now we see that the Father is God. We see that the Son is God. And when we talk about the Trinity, there is the Holy Spirit. Um, and when it gets to the Holy Spirit, I feel, and oftentimes it's harder to understand, because the Holy Spirit um, often works in ways that are somehow invisible to our eyes, or He works in ways um, that, we, that are hard for us to understand. But what we see when Jesus Himself speaks about the Holy Spirit, Jesus always refers to the Holy Spirit as a, another person. Um, the Holy Spirit is described as he will bring things into your remembrance. So he is a person to bring things into remembrance. The Holy Spirit is described as he will bear witness. The Holy Spirit is described also as the one who hears and the one who speaks. So the Holy Spirit is not just an, 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 a supernatural support or like a, a, an additional battery that we have, or something like that, but the Holy Spirit is a person. And then we see in Acts chapter 5, when we uh, read the story of Ananias and Sapphira, um, the two of them, what they did is they sold their land, they sold their property, and then took the money and gave the money to the church, which is absolutely fine. But what they did is they sold the property for a good price, and then gave the money to the church and only gave them half of it or a part of it and said, this is all we got. So basically what they were doing is they were lying to the church. But it's not just that they were lying to the church. When we Actually, when we read the story in Acts chapter 5, it says specifically um, Peter, um, the, the disciple, Peter the apostle, he asked him, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? Why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? And then in the next verse, Peter even clarifies, you did not lie to man, but you lied to God. And so he says specifically because you lied to God, you lied to the Holy Spirit, you lied to God. Um, he says, well, the Holy Spirit is God. And the same second, Ananias drops dead to the ground. And then also when we read in 1 Corinthians, it's a very famous verse, 6 verse 19, um, where Paul describes our own body as a temple. So what is a temple? A temple is where God lives, right? That is um, basic definition of a temple. You go there because God is there. Um, Old Testament, you see that throughout the Old Testament. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul says the one that lives in you is the Holy Spirit. Your body is a temple because God lives in it. And the one who lives in it is God, the Holy Spirit. And so that brings us to the 
third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit that we see from Scripture is also absolutely God. Um, note, there's an important thing when we, uh, when we talk about the Trinity that we have to remember that the word Trinity is not itself in the Bible. But what we see is we see three persons in, in the Bible and throughout the Bible that are in essence one. Um, they, they have the same character, characteristics. They, they work in different ways, but they have also um, the same power. And so they are three person in one. Um, and the important thing for us to know is that on the one hand, the Father is God. The Son is God. And also the Holy Spirit is God. But the Father is not the Son, and the Father is not the Holy Spirit. And the Son is not the Father, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit. And also the Holy Spirit is not the Father, or is not the Son. And so, um, I would say that, that makes it a little harder for us to understand. Um, and there's, there's a lot of examples that people have used throughout time that try to kind of explain how the Trinity works. So you land with the egg, maybe you've heard the egg or the apple or something, um, where you have different parts, but they're all one apple or something, or you have water where it changes, and sometimes it's ice or it's water, whatever. Um, but all of these things never really completely compare to the Trinity. And the reason for that is because the Trinity, because God himself, he is he's bigger than us. Um, and so I've heard some people say um, that God can only be what I can understand. Um, they say, well, what, what God is, he reveals, him, reveals himself, and so God can only be what I understand. But to that I would say, well, I would not follow a God that is only as big as your understanding. I even hope that God is bigger than my understanding um, and all of our understanding because God is God and he's not bound by human finite um, intelligence. Now, when we look at, at um, the, the history of redemption, when we look at the history of, of how God revealed himself, we also see um, the Trinity throughout the ages. Like we said earlier, when we look at the Old Testament, we mainly see God the Father. Now, when we look at the New Testament and the Gospels, what we mainly see is Jesus. And then when we look at um, the time after Jesus died, resurrected, went to heaven, who we mainly see at work here is the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that the others are gone, but it does mean that we know now more that some of our um, ancestors knew at the time. But to sum up, we see that the Trinity throughout the Bible um, is revealed. And, and we, when we go back to Genesis, at the very, very beginning, when we go back to Genesis, God says, let us make man in our image, um, in our likeness. So we see at the very beginning um, the Trinity, or the plurality at least there. Um, so it has to be um, a, a plurality of persons in one. But then we also see at the very end at Revelations, we see that the Son is being given judgment and glory. So we also see um, that the Son is being glorified. So we see the plurality at the end. So let's look at today's text. Imagine you could spend time with Jesus. 
Just imagine you were one of his disciples, you were one of the 12 or uh, the, the, the disciples around Jesus. Wouldn't that be great? Just if you have a question, if you don't understand Old Testament, you can ask Jesus and he will explain to you. You have uh, private lectures, you, you eat together, you travel together, you see miracles. I, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I think those would be really great things. I mean, I, I would love that. Um, oftentimes, um, I think, or for me at least, um, I, I wish um, Jesus would be a little bit um, clearer to talk to, at least in regards to his answers. Um, because when I don't understand things, it takes a while for me to understand. Um, to, to hear his voice or to understand what he means. Um, but then again, Jesus' disciples heard his voice, still didn't understand it. So I don't know if that helps. Um, but imagine you could ask Jesus anything. Imagine he was right next there to you. He would, he would, you, you would want some advice about your future, what to do, what to live. You just ask him and he answers. And that is the life that Jesus' disciples experienced. And so... I think it must have come at a real shock for them at the end of his ministry um, that Jesus said the following words in John chapter 16, verse 7. Um, Jesus said at that, at, at, it was kind of at the end of his ministry, he said, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. That's John 16, verse 7. Jesus says, it is for your good. Notice that is actually at the beginning of chapter 16, um, Jesus starts with telling them what will happen to them. And, and it will be the, the hard things. He says, um, you will be excluded from the synagogues. They will persecute you. They will kill you. And they will even think by killing you, they honor God. And so he's, he's telling them, this is going to happen. And then the next sentence he says, it is for your good that I'm going away. And so I'm wondering, like, wh why is that good? Like, Jesus is there. Um, they can ask him. They can talk to him. He's there physically. Um, he can do his miracles and all that. And why is it better that Jesus leaves? But I think, or not just, I think, but the thing is, when Jesus was here on earth, um, there was also some restrictions to um, how many people he could interact with. See, when Jesus was here on his earth, he was talking to his close disciples. He was talking to the people that came, um, the, sometimes thousands and thousands of people. But Jesus was always just at one place at a time. See, when we read about the Pharisees coming from Jerusalem, they had to come from Jerusalem all the way um, to where Jesus was to talk to him because he was bound by one place. See, now that we have the Holy Spirit, um, he is um, wherever a Christian is. So he's not bound to a place, but he's wherever a Christian, wherever a believer is. But not just that. Also, Jesus was um, limited to talking to only the people that were around him. He could not interact with 50, 100, or 1,000 people all at once, but he was talking to this one person in front of him. Now that we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit living inside of every believer, um, the Holy Spirit can talk and interact with every one of us at the same time, not being limited. And also when we look at Jesus, Jesus, he did have 
to sleep sometimes. Like we, we all probably have heard of the story um, where the disciples were in the storm and the, um, Jesus was asleep. Um, that must have been a hard time for them. I don't know how long Jesus slept, maybe an hour, maybe two, who knows. But at that time, even though Jesus was here on earth, even though Jesus was close to them, they still feared because he was not, um, not, not awake. He was not talking to them. He was not encouraging them. He was not teaching them. Um, and so when Jesus was on earth, he was also restricted by um, having to sleep. He was restricted by um, having to take some time off. We read that every now and then Jesus, actually quite frequently, he left to be by himself and pray. Um, and so those were all times when he was gone. But now that we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit never takes time off. The Holy Spirit is always with you and in you. And so the main passage today, and, and, and this is where we probably spend most of our time, is um, John chapter 14, 15 to 26. John chapter 14, 15 to 26. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandment and keeps them, he is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love me, will love him, and we will come to him and make a home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. When we read verse 16, um, that, that first verse about the Holy Spirit, when we read verse 16, it talks about um, the Father giving the disciples another helper. Or some, some translations use the word another advocate. See, Jesus compares himself to the Holy Spirit. And because both are persons, um, that Jesus was a helper. And then after Jesus um, died, the Holy Spirit will come and he will be another helper. That is one thing. Um, and another thing that we see in this verse is, in verse 16, we read that the Holy Spirit 
will be with you forever. At the end of verse 16. He will be with you forever. So that means now and also afterwards all the way into eternity. All the way until we are in the presence of the Trinity one day. See, the Holy Spirit, he never takes, takes a rest. He never needs some alone time. He's never gone from you, but he's always, if you're a believer, he's always in you. He might be at times be more quiet, um, but that is a different thing. And there is also a very important aspect to this passage. Um, see, I think that the, 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 the part about the Holy Spirit is an important part. But when we read this passage, those uh, few words, verses, we realize that the main point is actually not even the Holy Spirit. The main point is something else. And that is right at the beginning, verse 15, it starts with, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I think um, one of the main, or probably the main point in the whole passage, is the connection between loving Jesus and keeping Jesus' commandments. See, when we read through the whole passage, we, we see that it's actually mentioned um, four times that to love Jesus means to keep his commandments. So four times. We read in, in verse 15, Love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We read in verse 21, um, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is it who loves me. We read in verse 23, um, If anyone loves me, he will keep my words. And then we read in verse 24, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. So we see this connection, loving Jesus and keeping his commandments. They go hand in hand. I think that is the main point in this whole passage. Even though we like to talk about the Holy Spirit, and, and, and that is also the main topic today, but in this whole passage, what it talks about is, Loving Jesus means keeping his commandments. Nowadays, we, we might define religion differently. Um, nowadays, we define religion as a document. We might define religion as um, how you were baptized as a baby, or we define religion as, as your tradition you grew up in, or, or where you come from, um, or maybe also um, what you signed in front of the government. But the Bible actually um, is, has a very clear definition of who is a Christian. And that is here, whoever keeps his commandments. Loving Jesus means keeping his commandments. Um, and also later on, following Jesus means doing what he did. So it talks a whole lot about how we live um, than what we profess. And there is also another major aspect here in this passage that even is mentioned more often than the Holy Spirit. And that is the connection between God and us. See, over and over through the passage, we read um, that God dwells in us and that we are, in, uh, we are kept in Jesus. It talks about um, in, 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 in the very beginning um, that the Holy Spirit dwells in you, the Holy Spirit will be in you. And then it talks later about um, us being in Jesus and Jesus being kept in the Father. Um, and then at the very end, it talks about uh, we will come to him, the Father and the Son, we will come to him and make our home, make their home 
within them. So the next, the, the second biggest aspect is this connection that, um, uh, or this, this, this aspect that the connection that we have with God, this, this eternal, forever sealed connection we have through the blood of Jesus Christ with God. In the beginning of chapter 14, so before all of that, um, Jesus starts with how we get this connection with the Father. He talks about um, being that, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that is how we receive this connection through Jesus Christ. Now, how do we connect these two? On the one hand, um, that, uh, that we are called to keep Jesus' commandments. On the other hand, we have the Holy Spirit in us. Now, if we connect these two, and we look at the last few sentences in verse 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, I think oftentimes when we um, think about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit acts and, and what he does, we, we think about um, the, the supernatural things in the book of Acts, the, 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 the really weird things that are sometimes hard to understand. We wish they would happen nowadays, but sometimes actually we don't wish they would happen because they're just um, too scary. Um, but actually when we read a lot about the Holy Spirit, most of the times the way he he acts is very gentle, very subtle, very within us, uh, much more than out of us. And so here in verse 26 is this, um, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And here's also one of the major points how the Holy Spirit works in us. We said the Holy Spirit by itself means he is God's presence in us and he's God's power that works in us and through us. And here what we see is um, the Holy Spirit works in us by teaching us and reminding us of what God has said. And what he teaches us and what he reminds us are the commandments that Jesus has given us. And so that brings us to how the Holy Spirit acts in your life, acts in my life. He acts by reminding us of what is right, of what is good, by reminding us of how God, God has called us to live and, um, and, and reminding us uh, and of the things that are not right in our own life. There is a, um, a, a stunning warning also in Romans um, that Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 13. He says, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. talks about the Holy Spirit, that by the Holy Spirit, with the power and um, encouragement, support um, of the Holy Spirit, we put to death, we're called to put to death the deeds of the body, and we're called to live in and through Christ. And the Holy Spirit, He not only... Um, uh, reminds us of God's commandments, but also empowers us to do when it's hard. In Philippians 2, verse 13, we know the famous verse, it says that God works in us the will and the act. It is God that works in us. How does God work in us? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. He works in us 
on the one hand, the will, um, because oftentimes we, we, we don't really want to. And so the Holy Spirit works in us the will, but also the act. Um, and so as Christians, we will always, um, just like the Apostle Paul, we will always live in this, in, this, um, um, in this division where we kind of know what is right, but it often feels hard to do what is right, or which is drawn to do um, what is not right, but to do what feels nicer or better or um, gives us more joy or pleasure or money. Um, but the Holy Spirit, He works in us to remind us of God's commandments and to work in us the will and the act to change. And so my deep desire and prayer today is that we not just learn about the Holy Spirit, but that we actually come to know Him and love Him and enjoy Him. The Holy Spirit is not some, um, some, 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 just some, some force or power or, or, or a person that we can't really know, but He is the one that lives inside of you. Um, and so I pray that um, you would also come to know Him and love Him and enjoy Him more and more every day. I'll pray at the end, and then I have two more questions. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can know you. Thank you, Lord, that you have prepared a way to you, that through Jesus Christ, Lord, you have opened a path. Um, you have forgiven us our sins. You have accepted us into your family and welcomed us as your children. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit who works in us. Um, Lord, I pray that um, we would um, be open to um, his rebuke, that we would um, be happy and, uh, and, and, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would give us the power to change where and what needs to be changed in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us and um, you, um, you go before us and we can trust you in all of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so, because today we still have some time, um, I would like to do what we sometimes did in the past, form some groups. Um, and talk about uh, the Holy Spirit. And I have two questions for you, okay? Um, so we'll form small groups, um, four, five, six people, just form circles wherever you are. Um, and there's two questions. The first question is, who is the Holy Spirit for you? And the second question is, how do you see the Holy Spirit at work in your life? So who's the Holy Spirit for you, and how do you see the Holy Spirit at work in your life? Just form some groups wherever you are, and uh, we have a few minutes to talk about this.